Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Joel. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> we're, still re- we're still recording from afar. Yeah, and you know what? I listened to our first episode where we recorded from afar, and while I feel like we needed, you know, we, we got, we were, needed some getting used to, uh-huh. but I think it sounded pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's a free podcast. <laughs> what, yeah. what do you all want from us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're all very stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone's stressed out. You know what? That's understandable. It's a weird time and uh, it's uh, it's not super fun right now. So what are you going to do? But you, you're going to, you're going to pull us out of this and there's going to be something fun you're going to share with us today. Is that correct? That is correct. Great. Thank you for that great intro. So uh, (laughs) I've been thinking about it all day. Yeah. (laughs) So we're all home. We're all trying to figure out ways to, you know, entertain ourselves some more. Um, and I decided to cover a topic this week that mm-hmm. it, things about it do come up in trivia a lot. So okay. today, this episode is called Play Your Cards Right. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. This is trivia about playing cards. Interesting. I don't know a lot about, well, I'm not a big card player. I'm not mm-hmm. a big game person to begin okay. with. I mean, we've talked about this. But um, I have rarely played a card game, so I'm not that familiar with uh, most things about cards, so I'm excited. Well, great. I'm not going to talk too much about different card games, per se. I am going to cover one in detail, but I'm talking more about, like, the actual cards themselves. Oh, okay. Cool. So, um, if you remember in Mm -hmm. Mr. Information 2 Turbo, back from 2019... Who could forget? Um, Steve covered the history of playing cards, like their origin. They started in China. They made their mm-hmm. way to Europe. There's different styles. Um, yep. Like the Germans have different symbols on their cards than the Italians do, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in that kind of stuff, please go back to that episode where he did a great job of covering that. Also, there's a really great article I read on Collectors Weekly. Um by Ooh. Simon Wintel. It's called The Evolution, History, and Imagery of Playing Cards. That was published in April 2008, and there's a lot of great information there, too. Also, Collectors Weekly, <sighs> a surprisingly great resource and excellent publication. I love it. And I will digress for a moment. So anytime anybody talks about how they're afraid of clowns, yes, I send them this really mm-hmm. amazing article from Collectors Weekly that talks <laughs> yes. about how clowns started as like a trope in you know the the renaissance period and how Mm -hmm. it kind of got filtered down and how they appeared in operas and what this type of clown meant and that type of clown meant and like clowns actually like weren't actually scary until john wayne gacy and it true like clowns were fine People like them. That's why when we look back at like our like parents at birthday parties when they were little and we're like, what's that thing? Like, no, people liked clowns then. They they were not as this source of fear that they that they are today, it seems. But yeah, no, I send that article out probably like a couple times a year to people. (laughs) Yes, I remember you sending that out. Great site. Fabulous site. Shout out to Collectors Weekly. (laughs) 
Anyway, back to cards. Please, sorry. So the cards that we use, that we think of as playing cards, especially here in North America, but also most most card games at this point use what are called the French suited cards. So there are four suits with the hearts, diamonds, clubs, and spades. Um, each suit usually has three picture cards. Those are face cards, the king, queen, and jack, and then numeral cards from ace all the way to 10. Um, some packs that are like special have like fewer or different numerals per suit. But when we talk about French suited cards, a 52 card deck, mm-hmm. that's this is where we're heading. So the graphic symbols, that's the hearts, diamonds, clubs, or spades, they're called pips. Like mm-hmm. you just like on a die. Like um, oh, all the, sure. the yeah, dots yeah. on a die on a on a pair of dice or a single die, they're called pips as well. So the letter or number that you see in the top corner of a card is called an index, so that players okay. can identify their cards without having to spread them so widely as to risk exposure of their cards to opponents. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and though French suited cards are, again, they're the most common playing cards that are used internationally, there are a lot of countries or regions that use their own regional cards that are preferred okay. for many games, but none of those have 52 cards. Like when you're talking a 52 card deck, it's a French suited pack. Okay. Um, and they almost always come with at least two additional special cards nowadays, again, called a joker that don't hmm. belong to any suit. Um and they are required for some games. And some games that use jokers require them to be distinguishable from one another. So in a lot of modern packs, the jokers are printed in different colors. You might have one that's red and one that's black or one that's okay. plain and one that's colored. Um, mm-hmm. Or they're given different pictures. The joker card was invented in the United States during the Civil War. <gasps> What? Specifically to be the highest trump card or the best bower in a variation of the game Euchre. Okay. I don't know anything about Euchre. Oh, but- God. Good. Because that, that's a game I'm going to teach you about today. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Yay. <laughs> so the Joker was later adopted in versions of poker and rummy and other games as a wild card that could be used as a substitute for any desired card in the game. Euchre, spelled E-U-C-H-R-E, the name almost certainly stems from the Alsatian card game Eucherspiel, J-U-C-K-E-R-S-P-I-E-L, that was brought to the United States in the early 19th century by German immigrants. And it also likely led to what would become the name Joker. Oh, my gosh. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm like blown away. It's very interesting. That's very interesting. So um, again, jokers don't really have a standardized appearance across the card manufacturing industry. Um, most companies, they produce their own depictions of the joker. But out of convention, jokers tend to be illustrated as jesters. Uh, okay. Okay. So euchre. Yes. This is a game that, again, I didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. I sometimes put it down as an answer for a trivia question when it's about a card game that I don't know what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided I was going to learn how to play Euchre for this episode. Good so for you. I watched some videos. I read some Euchre for Dummies articles. Get and out. I found a site that I could play online against computer robots that didn't... <laughs> That didn't require me to feel embarrassed sure, about yeah. uh, my my lack of knowledge about the game. So understandable. I would do the same. All right. So I'm going to explain to you, Lauren. Okay. And you, all of our listeners, <laughs> the game euchre. Okay. 
I think I'm ready. All I'm right. ready to absorb this. All right. So Euchre is a four-player game. It has mm-hmm. teams of two. And your partners sit across the table from one another. Okay. The goal of Euchre is to be the first team to score 10 points, which I okay. will get into in a minute. So okay. standard Euchre uses a deck of 24 playing cards. You have the ace, king, queen, jack, 10, and nine of each of the four suits. So you, you can use a 52-card deck, and you just take out all of the two through eight cards. Okay. Um, there is also a 25-card variant that uses the joker as the top trump card or the highest power. So you only use... So you play with four people, but you only use one 24-card deck. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So the ace through the... Ace, king, queen, jack, ten, and nine of each of the four suits. Yes. So that's 24 cards. So each player is dealt five cards in a clockwise order in two rounds. In the first deal, each player gets two cards. In the second round, each player gets three cards. So so there are 20 cards dealt. Okay. And usually, actually, you see like a little chip that says dealer, like, and so then the dealer like keeps that little like chip next to them too, or like so a button you, or something, so that you know who's dealer because it is going to rotate around the table, and it does matter who is the dealer in this game. Okay. All right. Okay. So there's 20 cards out on the table. There are four remaining cards. Those are called the kitty. They are placed face down in front of the dealer. Okay. You turn the top card of the kitty face up. Okay. And then the dealer asks the player to their left if they would like that suit of the top card to be the trump. So in in this game, and I know I'm going to say trump a lot, trump <laughs> in the game euchre means uh-huh. the suit that you're following. The suit that you're following. The suit oh, that I see. you're following of the game. So okay. um, if I turn the top card of the kitty up and it's the nine of hearts and I mm-hmm. turn to you to my left and I say, do you want... Do you want this to be the suit? And if you're looking at your cards and you and you're like, well, great, I have actually like three hearts in my hand. Like, okay, yeah, we we do want the the hearts to be Trump. Okay, so I like that. yeah, so usually if you have like three of a suit, that's like a great candidate for you to call that that would be the Trump card. Okay, so so if the player to my left wants that to be there, wants that to be Trump, they tell the dealer, pick it up. So then the dealer picks up that card, puts it in their hand, and then they discard one. And then that suit that you called is now Trump. So you have to kind of remember also like what you just decided was going to be the Trump. So um, if you're like, well, I don't, I don't have a lot of hearts in my hand. I don't want that to be Trump. You can say pass. And then it goes to the player next to you. And if they're like, well, I don't have really good cards either. I don't want that to be, they can also say pass. So you can keep going around the table and then, you know, you you from there you can decide what is going to be the Trump suit. Okay, so if it goes all the way around where everyone's like pass, 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 no one's got good hearts. Uh huh. Does the dealer then have to pick up the next card? Or so then are what they happens like, if so? Okay. If no player, so it goes around the table. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm the dealer. It goes to you know the person to my left, the person across from me, and the person to my right, and it comes back to me. And I don't want that to be Trump either. Uh-huh. then I would turn that face down. And so okay. then you, as the player to my left, would just get to choose a suit to be Trump if oh, you wanted. Oh, so you just get to call it. But if you're like, oh, shit, I still have crappy cards in my hand, you can also say pass. And it can go around again. <laughs> wow, that, so then, far this sounds like a super fun game. <laughs> it goes by quick. It's a very fast oh, okay. game, actually. So you go around clockwise around the table, and if um, no one picks Trump, then the hand's a misdeal, and then you just deal again. Just start all over? So okay. that could take... 
I don't know, 30 seconds, basically. Oh, sure. If you're like, mm-hmm. pass, pass, pass. No, pass, pass, pass. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, the Trump card beats any card in any other suit. So in okay. Euchre, you have to follow the suit that the first player ends up putting down. And if you can't okay. follow that suit, you can play a Trump card and win the trick. Okay. Here's the thing that's important to remember about Euchre. The highest card value is the jack of the Trump suit. Okay. It is then followed by the other jack of the same color. So if the Trump suit is clubs, the jack of clubs is the highest value card, followed by the jack of spades. Then it would be the ace, king, queen, ten, and nine of the Trump suit. So Okay, so it's always jack first. In the Trump suit. In the Trump suit. Mm-hmm. And then the next highest is the next Is the jack suit? of the other color. Okay, so it goes through all the jacks first, and then it goes to the ace. Just just the jacks of the same color. Oh, so just the jacks of the same color. If okay. hearts was Trump, then mm-hmm. jack of hearts would be the top card, and then the jack of diamonds. And then it would okay. go like ace of hearts, king of hearts, queen of hearts, down like I that. I see, okay. Um, right. But in a non-Trump suit, it's normal. It's ace, king, queen, jack, ten, nine. Okay. Okay. So we figured out what Trump is. Yes. When each player plays their card, these four cards are called a trick. There are five tricks per hand, and scoring depends on these, along with who called Trump. So everybody has five cards. And we're all going to, whoever gets to go first, they lay their card down first, and that determines what suit is getting played that hand during that trick. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if I lay down the nine of hearts, and heart is the Trump suit, Mm -hmm. well... You would lay down a heart, and if someone else would lay down a heart, but if you don't have a heart, if you don't have a heart, um, you can play (laughs) any kind of card. Okay. So also, and this is like an intermediate level thing, the player who names Trump can opt to play by themselves that round. They call it like going alone. Um, Okay. So instead of using your partner across the table from you to determine Mm -hmm. like who gets the points... um, they basically play alone and they could get more points by saying like, oh, I have a really strong hand. I can beat these people. So you get double the points that way. Okay. But anyway, so here's how the play goes. The player to the left of the dealer throws a face-up card from their hand and the other players follow. If that player leads with the Trump suit, then the partnership that lays down the highest card from the Trump suit takes the trick. So the person who's across the table from you is your partner. Mm-hmm. If offsuit is thrown, the partnership that throws the highest card of the suit that leads takes the trick. So if um, hearts is Trump, um, I go first and I lay down a spade. Well, mm-hmm. you got, you're going to want to lay down a spade unless you have a heart that you can put down to be the Trump card. Okay. Okay. I think I get that. Okay. okay. So then... Um, so what's important about this game, I think, is different when I play with a computer, is that the computer knows <laughs> who won that hand. So if you're playing Euchre for the first time, maybe you should be playing with somebody that can automatically say, like, yes, you you won that trick. <laughs> and just, like, shove those cards at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so failure to follow suit is called a renege. So if hearts is Trump and I lay down a spade and you also have a spade in your hand, but you're like, I don't want to put that down now now and you put Mm -hmm. a diamond down instead if it comes back around to you at some point and we see that you laid down a spade we could call you out and then you lose points that way 
Oh, okay. So you have to, you yeah, you got to be honest. You can't just be like. You can't just toss out whatever. It yes. has to be, you have to follow the rules. You have to follow the rules. To to follow the rules. Mm, okay. I see why you like this game. <laughs> you know I love a rule. Oh, so, she loves to follow the rules. Basically what happens is you have your five cards. You went around five times. Each mm-hmm. time some each time there were four cards on the table somebody won that trick you count all the tricks after the cards have been played and the team that called trump originally if they capture three of the five tricks they get one point if they capture all five tricks they get two points okay but if they fail to capture the three tricks like say that Mm -hmm. the the other team ended up getting three then the team that called trump gets euchred and they lose that round and the opposing team gets two points. I see. Okay. Okay. It seems okay. to go very fast. Yeah. I was going to say, this seems like a very fast game yes. for all intents and purposes. Yeah. yeah. You just basically need like a notepad to be like, yep, we have two points now. Yep. You got yeah. one point there. This and that. Um, and huh. like I said, if you play, if you go alone, if you play solo, if you win a hand, you get four points for your team. So it's worth twice as many points if you play alone. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you play alone, it's, it's more, um, it's a big it's risk more reward. Attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. risk reward. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So part of the game kind of lies in memorizing what cards have been played already, because if oh, you're geez. like, oh, okay, well somebody already played the ace of spades and I have the king of spades. So if I lay this down, I should, you know, Mm-hmm. end up being the highest card there yeah, so you exactly. have to think about like what cards you have left and figure out like what you want to lead with and what you want to throw away mm-hmm. so you definitely want to remember what the original trump card is oh sure yeah yeah and again the team that gets to 10 points first wins so i will share the link to the to the wonderfully animated computer website on which Please. i learned how to play euchre um <laughs> and yeah go you might as well give it a go. It's not as it's not as complicated as I maybe made it sound, um, but it it seems like it could be fun. It could be a good, a really good game to play once we're able to play <laughs> cards in person again. Being around people again. Uh, yeah, I remember in high school when I was a junior, the seniors um, had like a, a like a euchre pit going where there were a bunch of people playing euchre, and I remember we were like what kind of old man game is this garbage? Like there's no money involved or whatever. They're just playing cards mm-hmm. like in the hallway and in the lunchroom, like every, every spare chance they got, they were playing Euchre. I was like, I've never heard of this before and I have no interest. It in sounds like it's really big around the Great Lakes. Like yeah, Buffalo, Rochester, mm-hmm. Ohio, Michigan. Like that seems yeah. to be like where the big Euchre concentration is. Yeah. So, so- Again, so I learned something if today. you didn't care to re- memorize everything that I just said, just know that the Joker was invented in the United States during the Civil War to be the Bauer card, the Bauer or the best card in mm-hmm. Euchre. In Euchre. And that Good the names know. are related. Joker and Euchre. Same root word. Cool. That's All right. cool. Moving along. Okay. Then we're ta- going to talk for a second about the ace card. Okay. So the ace card came really big in about 1765. Wow, that's very specific. It is very specific because that's the year England began to tax sales of playing cards. Okay. So do you remember the Stamp Act? I do remember the Stamp Act. Vaguely. So 
For those of you who don't remember the Stamp Act, it was a direct tax imposed by the British Parliament on the colonies of British America. It required that many printed materials in the colonies be produced on stamped paper that was produced in London and carried an embossed revenue stamp. So these printed materials were on every legal document, magazine, and newspaper, plus many other types of paper, including playing cards. Hmm. So over the years, a number of methods were used to show that duty had been paid on these documents on these pieces of paper and from 1712 onward one of the cards in the pack of cards usually the ace of spades was marked with a hand stamp oh interesting Mm -hmm. okay so in 1765 hand stamping was replaced by the printing of an official ace of spades by the stamp office that incorporated the royal coat of arms of britain and forging an ace was a crime punishable by death get out no so petty. <laughs> Come on. So, but by the mid 19th century, official duty wrappers were introduced. So mm-hmm. makers were allowed to use whatever design they wanted, but most chose to keep the ornate Ace of Spades that's popular today. Oh, that's cool. And okay. really, since then, the Ace of Spades um, has pretty much been used to show the card manufacturer's information at that sure. point. Sure. Yeah. That's cool. So, we're going to talk a little bit about card production. All okay. Right? So mm-hmm. the United States Playing Card Company, like very original. Really? Like it sounds like <laughs> it sounds fake, guys. But that's yeah. the real company name. Is, yeah, it's like uh, I work for the United States Playing Card Company. That's it. That's what I work for. <laughs> they are the world's largest producer of playing cards today. Wow. Um, it has more than seven hundred employees, and they produce more than a hundred million decks of cards each year. Oh, my God. That's about 5 billion individual playing cards over the course of a year. Who's buying that many cards? Vegas. I just thought. (laughs) Bing, ding, ding. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) So in the last decade, the United States Playing Card Company, which was already making bicycle cards, has also Mm. acquired B, Hoyle, Maverick, Fournier, Aviator, and many others. So basically, like, this is like the monopoly <laughs> of playing cards, basically. Um, they card. also print custom decks for casinos and other clients mm. around the world. Okay. Okay. Contrary to popular belief, it's not plastic that makes the feel and the sound of cards snap, it's glue. It's glue. glue. So quality Ew. playing cards are known for their feel, their spring, and their snap. And the tension and elasticity is important for the durability and feel of each card. Um, most playing cards have a glue core with two layers of paper or thin cardboard sandwiched around it. So that glue plays an important role of also ensuring that the cards are opaque, meaning that you cannot see through them when they're held oh, up to the light. Oh, uh, I didn't even think of that, mm-hmm. but that's true. Mm-hmm. And there's also a coating that's applied to the cards that's designed Mm -hmm. to help protect them from moisture. So you can spill a drop of water directly like on the center of a card for a few seconds without ruining it. But if the water gets to the edge, the water tends to seep into the card's paper like a sponge. Oh, sure. At that point, it's pretty much done. Playing cards do not have straight edges. Okay. Okay. So they're printed on large sheets. And when machines cut these sheets individual cards, it creates a tiny bevel on the edge of the cards. And depending Ooh. on the direction of the cut, decks are considered to have a traditional cut or a modern cut. Uh, this is a big deal for people who shuffle cards for a living. So oh, people like okay. magicians or sleight of hand artists. And that knife edge helps cards weave together more easily 
when you okay. shuffle them. And decks of cards made, especially for magicians, often use a traditional cut as a selling point. So, you know, you're at home and you're bored and you're trying to make your own set of cards. Like whatever you do with scissors is you're never going to be able never to shuffle get it, it the same way as these things that get a die cut, mm-hmm. that get the bevel edge, that get the knife cut edge. Okay, they so they like slip. Easier. Yeah, they slip together easier because of that bevel edge. That's exactly. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So casinos have to be very careful that playing cards don't become marked um, or that Mm -hmm. cheaters would pull an extra card out of their sleeves. And according to one casino worker, playing cards are changed at least once each eight-hour shift. And in many games, they're replaced more often than that, especially when they've been handled by a lot of players. Oh, sure, yeah. (laughs) And so that you cannot just sneak them back into a game, casinos carefully mark used cards with ink or they clip their corners and they drill a hole in the center. And these are sometimes referred to as canceled casinos cards what do they do with them then uh some places sell them like oh, sure, here okay. you have a souvenir this is a deck of cards from you know the a bellagio or from, something yeah yeah okay. I, I i would imagine some get recycled at some point but yeah i mean they're paper they i guess go through so many yeah huh wow that's wild yeah all right have you ever thought about a deck of cards not as really being like a calendar a calendar? Uh-huh. I think you just got my Buffalo accent there. Yep. Um, that's your most Buffalo word. I know. <laughs> and I, that's how I know I'll never be able to be a spy. Because <laughs> The clock you from across the, the room. Boom. They got me. Um, no, I have never All thought right. of a deck of cards being like All a right. calendar. Ready? Mm-hmm. So there's two colors in a deck of cards. The colors yes. of red and black correspond to the two parts of the day, daytime and nighttime. There's four suits in a deck of cards, corresponding to the four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. There are 13 values in a deck of cards. They correspond to the 13 weeks in each quarter and to the 13 lunar cycles. No. There are 12 courts. That's the 12 face cards that are also referred to the court. They correspond to the 12 months in a year. And there are 52 cards in a deck. The 52 (gasps) cards correspond to the 52 weeks in a year. No. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Is that true? This is all true. I don't know if like that's why there are 52 cards in a French in a French deck, but you can think of it like this. You can compare it I'm, like this. I'm blown away. I feel like you just solved the Da Vinci Code for me. <laughs> that is just freaking me out. Well, let me give you one more. Oh, no. If you add up all the values of the cards in a deck, assigning an 11 for a jack, a 12 mm-hmm. for a queen, a 13 for a king, and then add one in for a joker, you end up with 365. Exactly no. the <laughs> Exactly the same as the number of days in a year. No. And then when you add that second joker, you have one for each day in a leap year. What the fuck? (laughs) That's freaking me out, man. Do people know this? (laughs) (laughs) Is it just you and me? Right now, it's just us. (laughs) Oh, God. We're going to blow the lid off this whole thing. (laughs) Kaboom. All right. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so while your mind is blown, yeah, let's continue. Um, I'm talking about some common trivia questions about physical decks of cards now. Yes, good, 
Good. Okay. This is good. So how many face cards are in our standard deck? There are 12. You have the king, queen, and jack of each suit. Aces do yes. not count as a face card. Ooh, good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. When anyone references the suicide king, they mean the king of hearts. So okay. the king of hearts is depicted with a sword by his head. So he's like holding it up behind his head. It kind of makes it look like he's stabbing himself in the head. (laughs) Okay. And so that's why he got that nickname. The king of hearts is also the only king with both hands showing. He has one hand on his stomach and the other hand on his sword. The king of hearts is also the only king without a mustache. Okay. All right. Clean shaven boy. Yes. Yes. So the king of diamonds, what's unique about him? He is holding an axe. And he is also facing sideways. He is the one-eyed king. Oh, okay. He is one-eyed. also called oh, the okay. man with the axe because all of the other kings are holding swords. Okay. 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 The only queen in the deck that faces to the right is the queen of spades. She usually holds a scepter and she is sometimes also known as the bedpost queen because of the shape next to her. And more often she is called the black lady. And she's also known as the unlucky card in the game Hearts, the Queen of Spades. Oh, okay. So, Mm -hmm. um, yes. So she is the bedpost queen. Bedpost queen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, In many decks, the Queen of Clubs holds a flower, and she's called the Flower Queen. Oh, sure. Although Mm -hmm. um, this design element tends to be the most variable. You'll see um, Mm -hmm. in like the bicycle poker deck of cards, they actually have all queens with a flower styled according to their suit. So if people ask you maybe like, what are all the queens holding? The answer is a flower. But historically, it has just been the Queen of Clubs as the Flower Queen. Sure. Okay. All right. How many one-eyed jacks are there in a deck? There are two. The jack of spades and the jack of hearts are both facing sideways, and they are called one-eyed jacks because you can only see one of their eyes. Uh, you know what? Steve and I have been watching Twin Peaks, uh-huh. and one of the air, the places that they go uh, is one-eyed jacks, and it's like a card, uh-huh. you know, like the sign is a card, mm-hmm. and it never registered with me. Well, until this here moment. There you go. It's the Jack of Spades and the Jack of Hearts are the one-eyed jacks. Okay. What's unique about the Jack of Clubs? He's the only jack that has a feather in his hat. Oh, jeez. And the Jack of Diamonds <laughs> is known as the Laughing Boy because of okay. how he's drawn. Okay. All right. Which of the face cards are the only ones with colored hair? There's colored hair? Yes. Man, I do not look at cards. The answer are the jacks. So the jacks have yellow hair, while the other two suits, queens and kings, have white hair. Okay. Right? Yellow hair, huh? All right. Here's like a real fun one for people that love to like, you know, do math. How many eyeballs (laughs) on face cards are in a standard 52 card deck? The answer to this question is the answer to life, 42. So okay, there are good to know. 12 face cards. Uh-huh. All of them except three cards have two eyes. So okay. the jack of spades and the jack of hearts are the one-eyed jacks. They only have one eye. And the king uh-huh. of diamonds, who's also sideways, only has one eye. So 12 of the cards have two eyes. That's 24. 24. And then you take away those three and you get 21. And each card has two faces on it. You get the upside down All and the, you right. Know, the right side up. So there are a total of 42 eyeballs in your standard 52 card deck. (laughs) Good to know. Great. All right. 
Jacks weren't always called jacks. They used okay. to be called knaves. K-N-A-V-E. Oh, sure. So the card abbreviation for knave was K-N, but that was too close to that of the king. So it was very easy to confuse them, especially when they were just like in your hand. So that was oh, changed sure. in about 1864. Two okay. jacks. <sighs> All right. Have you heard of the <laughs> dead man's hand? Yes, I have heard of the okay. dead man's hand. Great. So that's a two-pair poker hand that consists of the black aces and black eights. So these, along with an unknown hole card, were reportedly what was held by Old West folk hero, lawman, and gunfighter Wild Bill Hickok when he was murdered while playing a game of poker in 1876. The name has stuck. Hmm. Have you heard of a card called the Scourge of Scotland? Uh, no, no, I have you not. haven't. <laughs> it's the scourge of Scotland or the curse of Scotland is the nine of diamonds. Okay. Why? So nine diamonds were what was stolen from the crown of Scotland and the king decided oh. to tax citizens heavily to make up for the value. There's also legend that the Earl of Stair used that particular card as a code, meaning he was giving his okay for the massacre of Glencoe in 1692, <gasps> which resulted in the death of 78 people. So the Nine of Diamonds is the scourge or the curse of Scotland. That's, wow, that's amazing. Yes. All right. Arranging a deck of cards. The number of different ways to arrange a single deck of 52 cards is a number greater than the number of atoms on Earth. No. What? Yep. No. So 52 factorial, and as our friend Eric could 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 really easily, easily tell us. So yeah. that's 52 factorial is 52 times 51 times 50 times 49 oh, sure, all yeah. the way down to like times two times one. So that's an eight with about 67 zeros after it. Oh, my God. So people say pretty much that no deck of cards has ever been shuffled the exact same way twice. So every time, so if I pulled out a deck of cards right now, whoop, and I was like, shuffle, 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 you know, kings are wild, the gray lady is dead, you know, like whatever they say, because, you know, I'm, I'm a big, you're uh, a big card, card head, card shark. Uh, if I shuffled it, the odds are no one else on this planet has ever shuffled the deck is exactly how I have exactly. shuffled the deck. Wow, I feel, I feel like a tiny grain of sand in a vast expanse of the of the sea. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and All right. some final card <laughs> facts for you. Yeah, so, please. Just as a refresher for a lot of people. Nintendo, the video game brand that launched some of our favorites from the 1980s and 90s mm-hmm. to today, Mario, Zelda, etc., was mm-hmm. founded in 1889 as a playing card company based in Kyoto, Japan. What? So the cards, which were named Hanafuda or flower cards for their ornate floral imagery, were popular among organized crime gangs that inhabited Japan's gambling halls. And the company's oh origins might be reflected in its name. Um, legend has it that when separated into three characters, Nintendo roughly translates to leave luck to heaven. Oh, wow. Ooh, I got chills from so, that. So Nintendo was founded in 1889. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So that's a good, that is a very good trivia question. Like, yes. what year was Nintendo founded? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Love it. Um. I'm going to talk for a second about card throwing. 
Okay. Okay. All right. This is also called scaling. And it was first popularized in the West among stage magicians, um, especially during the 19th century. So playing cards and similar paper objects have very little mass. They're clearly uh-huh. not very aerodynamic, except mm-hmm. when under certain circumstances. So simply throwing a card with no technique, just like trying to throw a card, it will usually just result in it you know, fluttering around and just falling to the ground. Um, mm-hmm. But achieving accuracy, distance, and force with a card requires giving it both lateral speed and angular momentum, also called a spin, along its Z-axis. So this spin creates gyroscopic stabilization so that the card's flat profile remains mostly parallel to the direction of travel and suffers the least possible air resistance. So there are many tricks that are done with thrown cards that are designed to not only impress you with the magician's dexterity, but also the illusion of danger. You know, you okay. see- oh, sure. Sure. You'll see tricks mm-hmm. where people are like, they throw a card and it cuts through a watermelon and you're like, oh no. Yeah. You could kill someone so with the card. Yeah. So the current world record for the farthest card thrown is held by Rick Smith Jr. Who threw mm-hmm. a card 65.96 meters, which is 216 feet, four what? inches. What? On December 2nd, 2002, he threw a playing card 216 feet, four inches. That's crazy. That's, That's crazy. So far. It is also the current record for the fastest throw of a card. 91.96 no. miles per hour <laughs> or 148 kilometers per hour. Oh, my God. With his wrist, <laughs> this man threw a card. 91.96 miles per hour. That's like a baseball pitch. Right? What? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Also, the current record for the highest throw, also held by Rick Smith Jr., who Man, in 2015, this he's so talented. He <laughs> threw a single playing card to the height of 21.41 meters or 70 feet 3 inches. What? The- probably drop a card 70 feet three inches sure i mean who couldn't you know hurl the card in the air (laughs) 70 feet three inches can you imagine being mrs smith jr and you're like rick honey it's getting dark come inside this is like the natural you know he's like no i gotta throw one more card babe this is gonna get us out of tennessee And then she goes, she cries. Oh my God, he did it. He did it. it. (laughs) Our whole life is going to be different now. It's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, Another link that I will, that I will post and I implore you guys to read when you get a chance. um, There is a whole Wikipedia list of playing card nicknames and this list is wild. So I recommend (laughs) reading it like on a, on a night that you just really feel like going down a wiki hole. So like each card, like each card in a deck will have its own nickname. And then there are definitely nicknames for like a pair of cards. So say you're playing poker and you have the ace and the king in your hand. They might call it an Anna Kornikova, you know, like all <laughs> yeah. kinds. Of, there are all kinds of crazy nicknames out there. So it, that's a fun thing to kind of go down. Yeah, we'll definitely link that. And then finally, just as an FYI, playing cards were inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in oh, 2010. The National Toy Hall of Fame is housed at the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a lot of trivia that I wanted you to know about cards and also how to play euchre. <laughs> <laughs> that was 
very that was very interesting. That was very interesting. I'm so glad. We should all play Euchre when we can finally see each other in person. Yeah, I think it would be fun. We have the right amount of people. Also, we can try to throw some cards. Yeah, that it. can be we can do that now. Like we we can just stand across the street from each other and try and <laughs> we each with a deck of cards just like chucking cards at each other. That's social distancing. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I love it. All right. Lauren. Julia. The quiz tonight is called House of Cards. This is a quiz on trading card games and famous residences from television. All right. I'm going to get blue. One of Steve's blue. And uh, that's going to be my lucky. Pens. My lucky blue uncapped pen. All right. Lay it on me. All right. Question one. Each time you play this trading card game, you're entering a battle between wizards who cast spells, use artifacts, and summon creatures as depicted on individual cards in order to defeat their opponents. Created by Richard Garfield and released by Wizards of the Coast in 1993, what still popular game is considered to be the first trading card game? Question two. Everywhere you look in Alamo Square in San Francisco, you can see the famous painted ladies that were used in the opening credits of what TGIF sitcom? Question three. Based on Nintendo's video game franchise of the same name, this collectible card game has players taking on the role of a trainer whose creatures, well, battle other creatures from other trainers. What's the name of this trading card game whose cards definitely fit in your pocket? Question four. Here's a story of a lovely split-level house. Which show, created by Sherwood Schwartz, used a home located at 11222 Dilling Street in North Hollywood, California, for its exterior shots? Question five. A digital collectible card game developed by Blizzard Entertainment, Hearthstone builds on the existing lore of what franchise that launched the world's most popular massively multiplayer online role-playing game, Memorpig, which is set on the planet of Azeroth. Question six. Though the main character's address is supposed to be 129 West 81st Street, Apartment 5A, New York, New York, 10024, the exterior shots of his building are instead represented by 757 New Hampshire Boulevard in Los Angeles during what sitcom that ran for nine seasons? Question seven. Which trading card game from Konami revolves around three types of cards, monster, spell, and trap? It is based on the fictional game of dual monsters created by manga artist Kazuki Takahashi, which is the main plot device of the manga franchise with the same name. Question eight. He looked at his kingdom and was finally there at 251 North Bristol Avenue, which is actually in the Brentwood area of Los Angeles, in the opening sequence for what 1990 NBC sitcom? Question nine. Keyforge is a two-player unique deck card game from Fantasy Flight Games in which players take on the role of Archons in the world of the Crucible. Each player uses a single deck of cards to play creatures, artifacts, actions, and upgrades. And the aim of the game is to forge three keys before your opponent by gathering enough of what? 
also the term for fossilized tree resin. And finally, question 10. Picture it. 254 North Saltair Avenue in Brentwood, California. This house filled in for the exterior shots for the first two seasons of what late 1980s sitcom set in Miami? Give you about a minute to think and then be back with your answers. Okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Mm-hmm. So I got some question marks in here. Okay. That's okay. It's okay. I'm going to work my way through it and everything's fine. <laughs> be great. Okay, <laughs> it's going to be great. <clears throat> All right, question one. Each mm-hmm. time you play this trading card game, you're entering a battle between wizards who cast spells, use artifacts, and summon creatures as depicted on individual cards in order to defeat their opponents. Created by Richard Garfield and released by Wizards of the Coast in 1993, what still popular game is considered to be the first trading card game? Is it uh, Magic the Gathering? Yes. Yes. It is Magic the Gathering. Uh, Funny story about Magic the Gathering. I used to hang out with a bunch of dudes in college because I used to do improv. That's on me. But I remember we visited my friend Matt's house in, uh, uh, I think it was Poughkeepsie, but... um, we were staying with his parents and he was like, hey guys, look what I found on my Magic the Gathering deck. And then they proceeded to play Magic the Gathering for hand to God 13 hours. And I remember it was like two hours in and I was just sitting at the de- the kitchen table and his dad just silently passed me the New York Times and was like, <laughs> you're going to need it more than I will. And I just read the New York Times from like cover to cover. It was awful. But I'm certainly not saying that Magic the Gathering is awful. I'm just saying... This particular that, that experience instance just really stuck with you. It was awful. Yes. Well, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about Magic the Gathering, folks. Please. So most cards in Magic, or MTGs as sometimes is um, abbreviated, uh, they are based on one of five colors that make up the game's color wheel or color pie that's shown on the back of each card. And each represents a school or a realm of magic. There's white, blue, black, red, and green. The most powerful cards in the deck, nicknamed the Power Nine, include the Black Lotus, the Mox Pearl, mm-hmm. Mox Sapphire, Mox Jet, Mox Ruby, Mox Emerald, Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, and Time Twister. 
a sealed alpha starter deck. So the alpha deck is like the first time that it was ever produced. A sealed alpha starter deck has sold for more than $8,700. Oh my God. And the basically the holy grail of magic cards is the Black Lotus alpha card. Um, there were only ever 1,100 of them printed. Um, mm. The Black Lotus alpha deck card is worth more than $27,000 no. American no. dollars. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's so much money. Yes. Yeah. They only printed 11,000 and each 1, one of them is... They only 11, printed 1,100. 1100. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. Man, people will collect anything. Honest it's to true. God. It's true. It's <laughs> true. So Magic the Gathering was also inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame mm. in 2019. Quick sidebar also. Um, the former Bitcoin exchange, Mt. Gox, M-T period G-O-X, that was okay. created in 2007 and was short for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. And in 2010, Mt. Gox launched as a Bitcoin exchange, which at one point was handling more than 70% of all Bitcoin transactions in the world before they suspended trading in 2014 Mm -hmm. and filed for bankruptcy and said that people had, that they'd been hacked and people stole their Bitcoin. Like it was a crazy thing. But originally the name of it was based on, this guy originally created it to be like a a way for people to swap like you know cards magic the gathering cards Uh wow i mean it seems to be like a real one-to-one so (laughs) (laughs) makes sense i guess yeah all right question two Mm -hmm. everywhere you look in alamo square in san francisco you can see the famous painted ladies that were used in the opening credits of what tgif sitcom uh that's full house yes it's full house um none of these Painted ladies, though, were the actual houses, were the actual house where the Tanners lived. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're really interested in checking out the actual house, it's located at 1709 Broderick Street, which is about a mile away from the Painted Ladies. Interesting. Question three. Based on Nintendo's video game franchise of the same name, this collectible card game has players taking on the role of a trainer whose creatures, well, battle other creatures from other trainers. What's the name of this trading card game whose cards definitely fit in your pocket? Those are Pokemans. Yes, this is the Pokemon trading card Mm -hmm. game. So this has a goal similar to a Pokemon battle in the video game series. Um, Players will use their Pokemon cards with individual strengths and weaknesses in an attempt to defeat their opponent by knocking out his or her Pokemon cards. This, this, This part blows my mind. So in 1998... Nintendo released a Game Boy Color version of the trading card game in Japan, and Pokemon trading card game was subsequently released to the U.S. and Europe in 2000. So it was Pokemon Red and Green is the video game. Okay. Then they were like, we like the video game. Let's do this with trading cards. So they had analog trading cards, and then they went and they released a Game Boy version of the trading card game. So this is an instance where it's like a video game to analog back, back up to, to video. video game. That's wild. That doesn't make popular. any sense. It was super Yo, popular. Yeah. People, I mean, it, so far, I mean, in my lifetime, every iteration of Pokemon has knocked it completely out of the park. Like there has never been a time where they're like, guess what? Pokemon, uh, I don't know. Pokemon, Pokemon Rainbow world. Pokemon Rainbow Pokemon yeah. now everyone's a rat like it's just different kinds of rats everyone's like yeah Pokemon rat you know, like, it's just, it doesn't, like people will eat it up they don't have to put a lot of effort into it and they don't I mean there's one that's just a set of keys 
isn't it what's yeah. it called it's like yeah key boy key boy i think that, that must be what it is <laughs> just key boy <laughs> but it's key k-e-i-b-o-i key boy <laughs> good good my personal favorite Pokemon. Yeah. Bobby, my brother, my brother Bobby had Pokemon cards and he did play games with them. It's a, sometimes mm-hmm. you would get a holographic card. Oh, yeah. And that I was those. very fancy. And he had a holographic Charizard card. And he was oh, like, man. this is somebody offered him if I, I, I swear, somebody offered him $500 for <gasps> his, for his holographic po- you know, holographic Charizard when he was in like seventh grade or something. And he said, no. Like this card was that important to him that he did not take the $500. No, no amount Nowadays, of money. If someone offers me $500 for a piece of paper, I ended up getting yeah. out of a, yeah, sure. Sure. But the rarest Pokemon card is the Pikachu illustrator card. It was given away to 39 people who finished first or second in three special illustration contests run by the Koro Koro comic in 1998. There are only 10 confirmed copies of the Pikachu Illustrator card remaining in the world, making it the rarest card in the world. Okay. One sold at auction in October 2019 for oh, no. $195,000 what? American dollars. No. What? That's crazy. $195,000. That's an astronomical amount of money. Yes. So the Pikachu Illustrator card is the rarest Pokemon card in the world. Um, And going back to what you said about like just Pokemon being so successful. By the way, for everybody's reference, the highest grossing media franchises worldwide include number one is Pokemon. By far, it is an estimated worth of $95 billion. Oh, my God. Pokemon. Wow. Number two. You want to take a guess? It's also from Japan. I did look this up at one point. Uh-huh. I think it's the Hello Kitty. It is Hello isn't Kitty. It? Yes. Hello yeah. Kitty's number two, $86 billion. Out of control. All right. And then followed by number three is Winnie the Pooh. Wow. $76 billion. Number four is Mickey Mouse and Friends, $74 billion. And number five is Star Wars at $70 billion. Yeah. The only surprise, I think, is Winnie the Pooh and Hello Kitty. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like Harry Potter's not there. Like, yeah. yeah, it's the Marvel comics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Pokemon, Hello Kitty, Winnie the Pooh, Mickey Mouse, and Star Wars are those are your top the five, five highest grossing media franchises worldwide. All right, question four. Here's a story of a lovely split level house. Which show created by Sherwood Schwartz used a home located at eleven two 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 Dilling Street in North Hollywood, California, for its exterior shots? Um, I accidentally wrote the Brady Brunch, <laughs> but I did mean the Brady Bunch. That's their special on uh, the Food Network. No, <laughs> yes, exactly. you are right. It is the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, producers picked this Studio City home because it looked relatable and middle class. Um, mm. In August 2018, the house <laughs> went on the market for the first time in 50 years, and the winner of the house of like buying the house was HGTV. So they bought the house when it hit the market and they fully transformed it into a replica of the original TV set that once stood at Paramount Studios. Which is such a waste because (laughs) 70s interior design is literally the worst thing that's ever happened to America. (laughs) Like, like, 
all of those ochres and mustards and avocados Ugh. and rust reds. It's a so ter- much paneling. Low, low furniture with yep. no backs. <laughs> a lot of pl- like inexplicable plaid macrame. It's horrible. So you know what else HGTV did with this? Was they made a show called A of Very Brady a Renovation. Of course they did. And the first episode of it debuted on September 9th, 2019. It brought in 8.1 million visitors for oh its first God. episode. That was an all-time record for the network. Have you watched The Brady Bunch like as an adult? Uh, not not like as an adult. Okay. it's I didn't love it anyway no i i wasn't a fan when i was a kid at anyway like it seemed like even as a kid i was like these kids are the worst (laughs) but like it's unwatchable as an adult it is so it is so of the time and it's so schmaltzy yeah and like the laugh track and everything as you can tell i'm not a huge fan of the brady bunch but um yeah i don't know it just seemed like such a just a bad tv show Yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right. Question five. A digital collectible card game developed by Blizzard Entertainment. Hearthstone builds on the existing lore of what franchise that launched the world's most popular massively multiplayer online role-playing game that is set on the planet of Azeroth? Is this Dungeons and Dragons? No. No. Okay. Is this... Shut up. Is this... Oh, shit. World of Warcraft. Is it World of Warcraft? <laughs> you're, you're making a face like, like kind of? <laughs> yeah. The, the franchise itself is called Warcraft. World okay. of Warcraft, is, Warcraft is, online? A, is the fourth game that is in the oh Warcraft franchise. I didn't, I was not aware of that. Until I mean, recently. I'm, so, yes. Okay, so I'm going to say I didn't get that. on the lore <laughs> of the Warcraft franchise. Um, okay. It was originally actually subtitled Heroes of Warcraft. Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft released in 2014. Hearthstone builds upon the existing lore of the series by using the same elements, characters, and relics. And this is a turn-based card game that features cross-platform play that lets players on any supported device compete with one another. So it is a digital trading card game i see Mm -hmm. okay so it's just warcraft yes okay world of warcraft is a is the fourth game in the warcraft series and that became known as the world's most popular memor pig which is massively multiplayer online (laughs) role-playing game yes all right question six Though the main character's address is supposed to be 129 west 81st street apartment 5a new york new york 101024 the exterior shots of his building are instead represented by 757 New Hampshire Boulevard in Los Angeles during what sitcom that ran for nine seasons? That's Seinfeld. Yes, it is. Come on. I was like, I'm not putting a single goddamn clue in this. No, because if I didn't know this, I am not, I'm not worth my salt. <laughs> but thankfully, I did know. All right. Question seven. Okay. Which trading card game from Konami revolves around three types of cards, monster, spell, and trap? It is based on the fictional game of Duel Monsters created by manga artist Kazuki Takahashi, which is the main plot device of the manga franchise with the same name. Okay. I'm going back. 
I'm going back in time. I'm going back to when I worked at a little bookstore called Schmarns and Bubble, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just I'm just naming off manga. You're okay? in the manga. Okay. I got One Piece. I got Naruto. I got One Note. I got Attack on Titan. I got Sailor Moon. So I'm thinking of all those because One Piece and One Note and Attack on Titan those are a little bit niche. I'm gonna say Naruto. No, it's not Naruto. It's not Naruto. I don't think I know what Naruto is. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I went a little too esoteric with my manga. It's <laughs> like super into manga. Or yeah, super- I'm super into manga. No, actually, I hated shelving in manga because guess what got stolen a lot? <laughs> manga. Jerks. Just, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Those are all the manga I can think okay. of. The answer is Yu-Gi-Oh!, Yu-Gi-Oh! That was way at the bottom because it starts with a Y. Yeah, of course, you didn't want to duck. You didn't want to crouch down. That no, far. I didn't. I let people steal that because I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't want to go down there, huh? They have a lot of those. Yu-Gi-Oh is like a ton. Yeah, and Yu-Gi-Oh has been basically one of the top three trading card games. Maybe some, at some points, even the most popular trading card game since it came out. So when huh. people are talking about trading card games, they really are talking Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh. So the plot of the manga series of Yu-Gi-Oh follows the story of a boy named Yugi Mutu who solves the ancient millennium puzzle. And he Ooh. awakens a gambling alter ego within his body that solves his Uh-oh. conflicts using games. <laughs> so the original release card game has some really creepy illustrations that were basically toned down at, at later point for American versions. There were things like the face parasite or the oh, gimmick Jesus. puppet dreary doll, which was originally a doll made from the likeness of a dead child covered in oh bloody bandages God. and sitting in a coffin. So oh Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, there are some dark cards in Yu-Gi-Oh! I had no idea it was even a game. I thought it was strictly... I mean, again, like I said, I, I just shelved the stuff. I didn't actually yeah. read any of it, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that that one came out from Konami. So that's that's Konami. their big. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, question eight. He looked at his kingdom and was finally there at 251 North Bristol Avenue, which is actually in the Brentwood area of Los Angeles, and the opening sequence for what 1990 NBC sitcom? I didn't have that until literally this very moment. It's the French the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It sure is. Yes. Great. Oh god. Great. All right. Question 9. Keyforge is a two-player unique deck card game from Fantasy Flight Games in which players take on the role of archons in the world of the Crucible. Each player uses a single deck of cards to play creatures, artifacts, actions, and upgrades. The aim of the game is to forge three keys before your opponent by gathering enough of what? Also the term for fossilized tree resin. Is it amber? It is amber. Yeah. Except they spell it with the A-E ligature called the ash. So it's like that A-E mashed together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what's interesting about this game, it was first released in 2018, is that every single Archon deck is truly unique and one of a kind. So each Archon or Archon, whatever, and its own mixture of cards in the deck, but it's still ready to play out of the box. So there's technically no need for like deck building or booster cards like you do with other trading card games. Oh, okay. Um, And again, every deck is unique. So... You know, you buy one off the shelf and you buy the second one. They're not going to be the same, but you should still be able to play successfully against somebody no matter what your deck is. I see. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So that's called Keyforge. It's like the latest 
the coolest thing. Super hot. All right. And finally, question 10. Picture it. 245 North Saltaire Avenue in Brentwood, California. This house filled in for the exterior shots for the first two seasons of what late 1980s sitcom set in Miami? Uh, the delightful and progressive Golden Girls. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. um, an exact replica of that home's facade was later built on Residential Street at Disney MGM Studios in Orlando. Oh. But it was used for exterior images of the ladies pad during the series' later years and could be mm. viewed during like the studio backlot tour. But unfortunately, Residential Street and all of its sets were torn down in 2003 to make room for like a new stunt show. Ugh. Um, the other thing that I found when I was looking up information on the Golden Girls, it turns out that B. Arthur actually really hated cheesecake. <laughs> what? How could you hate cheesecake? It's so dense and creamy. Well, nobody's perfect, I yeah. guess. That's too bad. Good job, Lauren. Thanks, Jewel. I got eight out of ten. I'm getting closer Maybe and nine. closer. Maybe nine. Maybe nine. Well, no, I didn't I didn't get Warcraft, honestly. I started with Dungeons and Dragons and I stuck with it. So I'm I'm gonna get my ten out of ten, okay. honestly. Okay. It's gonna come honestly. <laughs> so everyone at home, make sure you clap, clap, clap for me so that I get ten out of ten. <laughs> believe, believe in me, like with Tinkerbell. <laughs> Great job. Great job. No, thank you. That was very good. I learned a lot about uh cards. That was super interesting. Exactly. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know, please rate, review, and subscribe when you get a chance. Tell a friend. Please tell a friend. All those Zoom and Skype calls you're having lately, be like, hey, I got to tell you about this great podcast that I've been listening to with these two hilarious ladies. Um, and then then they will pass it along to the next person, and that's how society works. And <laughs> And that's how we get more people to listen to our show. So since I just explained what social niceties are, Mm -hmm. great. uh, I will take this. (laughs) I will take this podcast home. (laughs) So uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. But I'm surprised because I feel like the people who were like, the people who watched the Brady Bunch when it was on TV. Aren't those people dead by now? Like, are, <laughs> our moms watched the Brady Bunch when it was know, on TV. When was the Brady Bunch on? It was on in the 70s. I guess. Well, it seems so ago. much longer. Yeah. <laughs> it seems so much longer. It seems so much longer ago. The Brady Bunch was 1969 to 1974. Oh, okay. So never mind. <laughs> yeah, it was our parents. <laughs> Never mind. Forget I said that, everybody. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad.